This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh no! I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. episode of Lee Sugar Syndrome. I am your host, as always, Jane Told, and this podcast is all about me talking to other lead singers about what it's like to front a professional rock band. Today we have a great show. I speak to Tommy Rogers of Between the Buried and Me, also affectionately known as BT Bam. And I've actually known Tommy for a long time. I've known Tommy since you know, before Between the Buried and Me ever had a record out. You know, back in the day, we played a show together locally in, in my hometown of uh, Burlington, Ontario. And uh, we've been in touch ever since. We've been friends, and we've played shows, and we've seen each other around. Uh, and it was actually cool. I hadn't talked to him in a while, and he hit me up, uh, emailed me, and said, Shane, love the podcast. Uh, would you like to have me on? And it's funny, we get into how he actually doesn't even like doing interviews. So very cool that he wanted to reach out to me uh, and, and talk about so much stuff. I mean, he's got a family now. Uh, he's living in California. You know, he's originally from North Carolina. Uh, and it's just a, a great talk with an old friend um, who is just making some incredible music, not just under the Between the Buried and Me, BT Bam moniker, but also under Tommy Giles, which is his first and middle name. Um, and that stuff is really cool, too. It's very different from Between the Buried and Me. Um, but you should definitely check it out. As always, I want to thank you very much for checking out this podcast, whether it's the first time you've listened to it, whether you've listened to all, I don't know, 25, 26 episodes, whatever it is, I really, really am happy to have you here. Thank you. Um, this podcast is not just me talking to you guys uh, every Monday. I want this thing to be a back and forth discussion like I have with the guests. And I want you guys to feel free to email me, uh, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter. It's at leadsingersyn, S-Y-N. We have Instagram, leadsingersyndrome. We have a Facebook page. Uh, check that out. Facebook, up and coming. Up and coming in the podcast world, I'm telling you. So add us on uh, all those things, and please get in touch. And um, if you do like the show, it really helps if you can write a review on iTunes, preferably five stars. That really, really helps the show grow, and you know we can get bigger and bigger guests and bigger and bigger reach and all that stuff, and, and uh, it's a win-win for everybody. 
Also, we're setting up the VIP program. I know I've said this for like probably over a month now. It is coming. Me and my producer, Nick, we're working out the details. Uh, Thank you so much for everybody that's provided feedback on the kinds of things they'd like to see. I think we're going to have a really, really cool program, which, um, you know, it's going to be great for the casual listener and also great for uh, the more intense lead singer syndrome fan. And I know there's many of you. Um, So thank you very much for your patience. Uh, Well, we wait to get all that going. Uh, In the meantime, if you want to support the show, we have the Amazon referral link. And it's real simple. All you do is you go to leadsingersyndrome.com slash Amazon. It takes you right to the Amazon homepage. And whatever you buy from a diamond ring to a guitar to batteries to condoms, whatever it is, we get 4% of whatever you buy. And someone actually told me it might be 6% now. I don't know if that's true. But regardless, every little bit helps. So please, if you're going to buy anything off Amazon... LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash Amazon takes you right there. Login is normal. Uh, You won't even know that it's different, but definitely we will know it's different. So thank you very much for that. Anyways, not too much other news. You know, I'm just hanging out at home, doing my thing. Weather's getting nice in Toronto, so that's feeling awesome. Um, Yeah, man, it's been a pretty crazy month for me. But as always, I look forward to doing this podcast, recording this podcast every week and bringing it to you guys. So thank you so much for the support. On with the show. Here's Tommy from Between the Barry to Me and our conversation on Lee Singer Syndrome. Dude, I'm in Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah. I uh, yeah, I live uh, I live right downtown, um, okay. like right on the lake. Uh, cool. So yeah, it's I'm 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 into it. You know, um, it's nice. Like the weather's finally getting better here. Yeah. But man, like we had a brutal winter. Really? Yeah. We were just up in. Uh, we we didn't do Toronto. We did. We were, we went across like Winnipeg and. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Where, where, you know, Jay Cloth, probably. Jay Cloth, yeah. Well, I know Jay Guelph. Cloth. Yeah. yeah. We played in Guelph. We haven't played Guelph in years. We played there this last tour. That's crazy. I actually, um, I actually went to school in Guelph. Like, I went to college. Oh, crazy. There. There's a university there. And I actually yeah. own a house in Guelph and I rent it out to students. Oh, really? So, That's yeah. Awesome. So, I'm in Guelph all the time. I, I really That's like crazy. that city, actually. Like, uh, you know, it's a college town, but it's got this, like, hippie thing going on like i think they were i I could be way off but i think they were the first um city in canada to like recycle oh really so yeah Yeah. so they have like a really cool like kind of um cutting edge you know like vibe like a very progressive yeah so uh yeah guelph is yeah man i think guelph is an underrated little town so yeah it seemed i want to spend because i haven't been there in years but yeah it was was so fucking cold the day we were there i was just like man i know man couldn't couldn't really get out (laughs) that's right yeah so you're talking about the uh and we're just going to jump into this this is cool okay because you know sometimes like you start an interview and you don't know if it's actually like happening or not 
Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, oh, it's nice are we on the record? with somebody that, that does interviews and knows how it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the thing. Like, I mean, I've been doing this. I mean, I guess I've been doing this for six months now, this podcast. So cool. I'm starting to get better. Awesome. But, but yeah, like the first few I did, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's weird being on the uh, other side of the, the microphone, you know, or whatever it is. I bet. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah, man. So you guys were just out with August Burns Red. Yep. Uh, yep. Co-headlining tour. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to ask you about co-headlining tours. Is that something that you've done a lot of or not really? Not really. No, that was um, it was kind of nice because we flip flopped every night. And yep. um, I don't know, the nights that you're not headlining, there's no pressure. I, I, I kind of enjoy those nights more than others, because oh, yeah. especially with, with a band. I don't know. I mean, we definitely share some fans, but I feel like we're so different from each other. Um you always have that fear. I think both bands probably had that fear of walkouts. You know, of course, I think that's of the, course. That's, that's the scary thing about the co-headlining thing. It's just because you never know if uh, their fans are going to stick around or vice versa. You know, right? But the thing, I mean, we've done a few in you know, Silverstein. We've done a few co-headlining yeah. tours, and the biggest <laughs> thing, like problem I have, is like there always seems to be some kind of like argument or some kind of issue that like arises you know like between like between the bands like if it's something you know it's usually something stupid like we yeah. had one band i'm not going to name names but we had like one band that was like pissed off one day that because they were closing the show but their name wasn't on the marquee mm-hmm. you know like sometimes like kind of petty arguments or you know if you're arguing about like who's going to get the bigger dressing room you know uh <laughs> <laughs> did, did you have any problems i mean i know i mean august burns read some of my best friends I'm great dude, so I I doubt you'd have those issues, but that does that is like the kind of thing that arises on co-headline tours that you know people like like bands understand that, but a lot of fans that are listening to this probably don't really understand the that it gets confusing when you're not sure who's headlining. Yeah, and I think I don't know, I think a lot of it has to do with experience too. I mean, I think bands like us and them, you guys, you know, we've been around for so long. We we know how it all how it goes every night yeah we know that you know nobody's really that important <laughs> you know when it, when it really <laughs> when it comes down to it you know so i think i hate to be the band that like says we'd never really care but we don't like when it when it's as far as touring goes we're not the kind of band that really cares about much you know we want we want every all the bands to have fun you know we don't want to butt heads with bands and yeah you know we've just always been that that band um and if there is any sort of issue on, on another band's end, we just kind of make a joke out of it, right? <laughs> and just kind of make them feel like shit. So that's um, right. Kill, that, them with, kill them with kindness a little never, bit. Yeah, yeah exactly. 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 So. Oxford Red, great dudes. Some of my favorite people. Uh, so I guess with you guys and them, it was just like crazy parties every night, tons of drugs, <laughs> women. Yep. Yeah. Right? Is that that's that the sound usual. about right? The usual. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yep. No, but seriously, <laughs> Not, like you probably read some good books. Like, <laughs> what did you guys uh, get yeah. up to? Yeah. Um. You know, went to bed at a decent hour. Got up <laughs> at a decent. Hour. <laughs> the usual. Um. I try. I the last few years, I've actually started writing a lot on the road. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It's I mean, you're writing music for my solo stuff, and um, you know, I've really tried to use that time. And th- this tour, it's it's always tough. Like, we were off for a while, so it's always kind of hard for me to get back into it and get back in a routine. Um, but about halfway through the tour, I really started diving, diving in heavy, and got a lot done. So well, that's good. That's man. always my goal. That's always my goal on on the side of touring, just because it's so boring. You know how it is. It's so boring. You know, 
Right, going so through much the, sitting around. Yeah, so yeah. much sitting around. So yeah, I always have trouble, man, f- like being able to write on tour. I, I and I feel like the times I've written on tour, mm-hmm. I haven't been as happy with what I've come up with. And I, really? I don't know if it's because part of my mind is like somewhere else because you know you're always thinking okay there's a sound check or there's like you know this or a vip or there's some interview or like there's always these these things going on that are like sort of distracting so if i find a a time to write like okay i'll have like an hour here to write and then it's like that's your that's your window and when it's over it's over and when i'm here at home it's like okay i'm gonna write for an hour well if i'm super productive or i really feel good about what i'm writing then I can be like, okay, I'll write for two hours. I'll write for three hours. I'll write like all fucking night, yeah. you know? So I have a big problem with that, but that's, that's really good that you are able to do that. Well, I was kind of, um, I have a son now. He's, he's going to be four next week. I was going to ask you about that. Oh, he's going to be yeah. four? Yeah. He's going to be four next week. And you know, that, that was a big reason why I started writing more on the road, you know, aside from the boredom, you know, I didn't have okay. the freedom. Yeah. I didn't have the freedom I had at home to write that I used to. And so I had to find time to to make it happen, and I didn't want to just keep pushing him off when I'm home because sure. you know I want to yeah, I want to spend, spend as much time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that that's kind of when I started doing it, um, and I really I once I started it, I it was very therapeutic to me. It it helped me get through tour. You know, I, I think those that know me, you know, as a friend and you know my close knit family or whatever, they they all know that touring is not my favorite thing in the world so um you know that really helps me on the road just mentally and kind of feel like i have some worth outside of you know the hour i'm on stage right so um so yeah and as far as time management yeah that that is tough some days but you know we we have a pretty open schedule and i try you know, I am the guy that is like, I don't want to do any interviews. I hate interviews, <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which, which which I'm doing one right, right now. But, you know, it's well, you reached out to me. I know I did. <laughs> right. I so so I, I, I well, thought that, that was that cool. Was re- that was the reason, though. I was like, yeah, well, this isn't, you know, he's doing a podcast with singers, which I think is cool. And you've you're on the other side as well. You, right. you know how interviews are, you know. I don't know. It just gets the old doing what I call the Wikipedia interviews when they just ask mm. you the, the same questions that you can just literally find on Wikipedia or online. Um, yeah. And it, it is, you know, I feel like it's a waste of time sometimes. And a lot of times I feel like they don't even know who you are or care. They're just doing yep. it because they were told to do it and they want a few clicks on their site. Um, I don't know. It just seems no, I'm with you, man. very unpersonal, and it, it bothers me a lot of times. Well, so I, I try to push that out a little bit so I can be productive and write and you know hang around my friends and there you go. not do Wikipedia interviews. Yeah. <laughs> I like that Wikipedia interview term. But the, what, what yeah. kills me about interviews is like it seems like people watch or read another interview, and then they ask mm-hmm. the same questions. Yeah. It's oh, like that it's, already exists out there. So yeah. why are you asking the same question? You just, oh, that was a good interview, so I want that to be my interview. It just doesn't make yeah. any sense. So, yeah, uh, yeah man, um, I'm with you. But So you say you don't like touring, um, and now I know you have a four-year-old. Uh, you live in California. You have a family. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is that making it even worse? Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, I think that, you know, I've always – I guess since I was in my late 20s, I was just kind of – I always struggled with 
the whole the boredom and just feeling like I'm wasting my time, I guess. Um, when I'm when I'm not being productive on stage. Yep. But um, yeah, it definitely got worse. You know, when I had my son, um, I just try to, you know, it's all about time management, just like any job. You know, you just gotta find what works for you and your family. And you know, I think I've I've gotten to a point where we have a pretty good thing going. You know, the band. I think we're all kind of in the same boat. Not, I'm the only one with a son, but I feel like just as we're older, we we don't want to tour nine, ten months out of the year, like right, we did like he when used we're, to. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, everybody's kind of on the same page, and you know, you just, you know, you, when you have five dudes in a band, you just have to make it work, and you know, you have multiple families, so to speak. I have my home life and my work life, and you got to make them intertwine as best as they can. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You're a very private person. You know, you don't yeah. put a lot out there, you know, like social media. Like, there's a few things that, like videos mm-hmm. of your son and, you know, and, and of your uh, your wife. I assume it's your wife. I, I don't know. Um, fiance. Fiance? Yeah. Perfect. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and, and is that something that you're conscious about or is that just the fact that, like, Tommy Rogers is just kind of a quiet dude? Um, yeah, that doesn't, I, I mean, you know, generally speaking, you just kind of like, you know, you're not like a dude partying. You're not like a crazy, uh, extrovert. Right. So, yeah. you know, you have that personality. <laughs> so is that, you know, is that what that is? Or do you really just not like the idea of, of mixing kind of your personal life with your, your, you know, professional life, I guess. Well, I, I just think the public would be bored to tears if they <laughs> were, <laughs> were brought into how I am in real life. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm really normal. I mean, I hate, I hate to say that. I mean, it's just as far as living goes, I, I think uh, mentally when it comes to music and my thought process is very different sometimes, but I don't know. I, I feel like the fans, not that they don't want to see that, but I kind of like having my home life be for me and, and the yeah. people that I know, you know, I, I think, I think social media, it it's just weird how close everyone is. I mean, even people you don't know. And, I mean, that's like, it, there's pros and cons, obviously, to everything. But I like having, you know, that separation. And I, I was really late on the social media thing. And as much as I, like, was like, oh, fuck social media. I'm, I don't need to do that shit. Like, I really regret like on a, on a on a business side of things, you know that I, that I didn't do it earlier, just because it, it is helpful to interact with fans and you know outside of the show and yeah and kind of and build that that fan base that's your own personal fan base, which I think is very important. Sure, um, sure. But I just I don't know. I've kind of used those tools to kind of show to keep it about music. Um, yeah, you know, and th- throw throw my personal views and family life here and there you know randomly but yeah i've really i've really noticed that you know our fans are really in the music and i and i love music so i i use those platforms to tell people what i'm listening to and just yeah yeah tell them what i'm like i totally noticed that you do on like twitter you do like the pretty much like the daily album yeah um which is yeah like and i mean for somebody you know i guess i think you're what you're 35 now is that right yeah like for someone to be 35 been in you know the the band for 15 years put out all these albums not to mention and i want to get into like you know your solo stuff as well Mm -hmm. for you to not be like burnt out on music is like kind of it's kind of amazing because i'll be honest with you like 
there are days like our, if let's say we're working on a record or mm-hmm. or on tour or whatever. There's days when the last thing I want to do is listen to music. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I know yeah. I'm not alone. Like a lot of people no, not that have yeah, been doing is. doing it as long as we have feel mm-hmm. that way. And I'm not saying like I hate music or whatever, but like there's just days when the last thing like the last thing I'm gonna go do is like oh I'm gonna bust out that old Mew record. Like I saw you had yeah. Mew Fringers on yeah. you know on your like list i'm like oh i love that record you know <laughs> and, and like no but but i'm saying like there's just it's amazing that you still it's like all these things happen in your life and, and you're so busy writing all the time being you know yeah. being productive is important to you and you never get burned out on music like that is the love for music you have is like is very very intense yeah i agree i mean because like you said you're not alone i mean even guys in our band that you know they, they'll go a whole tour without listening to music which i mean for someone like me that blows my mind because i right. try to listen you know like yesterday i think i listened to like three or four records um but it's like f- for me like I, like even like we talk about touring and being in a band like my favorite part of being in a band is writing and recording where a lot of people like you go in the studio that's what they dread that's right. that's the part they don't like at all where i'm the opposite i could I would love to be in the studio every single day. Um, I really embrace it. And I just I love creating something from scratch, and and even when I even when I record, you know, a lot of times I'll listen to music at, like when I'm driving afterwards, just to kind of. It's weird when I listen to music. I'm not listening to it as like as trying to find influence. I'm listening to it as if it's comfortable to me. Right. You know, I'm. You know, it's like I'm my brain is is in downtime and i need just something to to help with that so um yeah i mean i, I think music's very important in my life and i think everyone's life obviously but yeah i just it doesn't bore me <laughs> so your son's four has he uh has he showed interest in um in music like his dad yeah he i mean yeah he loves he's very interested in you know all the music that he he's constantly surrounded by it. you know i'm always playing music and, sure yeah and so much different stuff which i think is really cool um just because i wasn't exposed to a lot of variety you know when i was young oh really and, yeah i mean I, i'm not really from a musical family you know nobody yeah. really played music i mean there was music played you know my dad always had the classic rock station on so i mean i, I grew up with all that kind of ingrained in me but i mean as far as like putting on our album or anything at the house that never really happened yeah, um, man, that's it's so crazy you say that because like between the bear to me is so diverse like musically. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially like especially the, the latest record. Like, you know, I I, don't, I hate using the term like all over the place because that sounds like a bad thing. Because that's <laughs> you know it sounds like I'm saying oh it's like a messy record or something. We're like, Whoa! But it's not, you know. But at the same time, yeah. like your influences are so such a wide range that when you said oh I wasn't exposed to like a lot of music. I mean, yeah. I guess like later in life, obviously you you discovered all these different bands and stuff. But like, um, I don't know. I mean, your your music not only has between the bury me, not only has can I say BT Bam? Do you like BT Bam? Yeah. When people say BT Bam, BT Bam, BT Bam's how I would say it. Yeah. I okay. get I get weird when the like BT Bam that just seems like oh when people say that, people actually say it like out like that yeah B-T-B-A, yeah yeah it's like a, it's like it sounds like a robot when you came up but, with um, the band name did you know that people were going to call it bt bam for like ever like no. how long how long from when you named the band till people started saying that and at first were you question. like at first no were you idea. like this is the worst <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what i mean i i, I knew, uh, probably the first 
you know, probably the first real record, you know, you kind of realize you're like, oh shit, our band name's really long, <laughs> and it's a it's a big pain in the ass when somebody's like, hey, what's your band called? And they have to ask you three times, what? It's between what? <laughs> so that that always gets a little old. Um, but as far as far as uh, like you said, growing up on music, yeah, it all happened very late for me, um, and I think because we all. I don't know. I think the cool thing about our band is we all are influenced by a lot of different stuff. And we all listen to kind of different things from each other. And we all write very different from each other. Um, like, I could sit down and tell you if a part sounds like a Paul part or a Dan right. part. or you sure. know. And um, I think that's what makes our music so unique is just we all kind of have our own little thing going on. And when we get together, it just makes something cool to us at least and um i don't know i went with music I, I really once i find something i like i really dive in and i've been like that probably since i was you know a young teenager and i think that's why i m my influence is, is so diverse and i listen to so much different stuff is because when i'm like oh i like bill evans that's that's some cool old jazz piano then i really dive into that world and see what else is out there right or like you know so i'm like that with everything or if you know i hear one record by a band i have to hear them all you know it, it may be a slight ocd thing but um yeah i think th that's kind of how a few of us are and you know it just comes off all over the place yeah <laughs> and, but it's okay but, it's, but in a good way yeah yeah Another question I have for you guys too, like I, I mean, obviously, I saw you guys play before you had a record out. I think we played. You played here. In, I remember in that Burlington. Show, yeah, is, it was. Oh, you yeah. remember the show in Burlington? I do. I, it's weird because I have the worst memory on the planet. I couldn't tell you half the shows from last month, but I remember the old days. All those yeah, old shows too. I remember, and I remember that show, and I remember you guys, and I actually remember being like, "Damn it." That dude can sing his ass off. <laughs> well, <So. laughs> I yeah, I mean, well, that was that was the thing about you guys is like, it, well, I remember the show was um, it was you it was you guys. I think it was every time I die. I think was headlining. Mm -hmm. It was there was like eight bands and we it was Silverstein oh, played. You guys played. Uh, what was that band for? Another band from Buffalo. Uh, what were they called? Kid Gorgeous, I think. Kid, yeah, 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 yeah. They, you know, so it was like it was an awesome show and there's a shitload of people. But I remember seeing your band and thinking like. You guys were like a hardcore band that had like Cannibal Corpse parts or something. Yeah, you know what I mean. But like, it was definitely you guys were a metal band, you know, or mm -hmm. a metalcore band, whatever the hell you want to call it, right? And yeah. you know, your first record was along those lines, and and then you know, your second record, you branched it a little bit more. Um, but but my real my question for you is like, at what point were you just like, fuck it, we're gonna do whatever we want now? Because Whoa. because obviously. There were probably some people that were like, what is this, like, weird progressive shit? Like, I just want to hear a breakdown. Yeah. Well, I think it's weird because we kind of had that mentality from day one. Because um, Paul, Paul and I, we were in a metal band before called Prayer for Cleansing. And, yeah. And when that ended and we started Between the Bear to Me, you know, you know, when we sat down and talked about what we wanted to do, we were like, we want to be metal, but we want to not have any restraints. Like, we want to be able to have really, really mellow sections. And, you know, there's even, a, like, a so-called jazz section on that first record. And, right. and, like, we just did it very subtly back then. Mm -hmm. And I think 
like we slowly did more and more and we realized how much we enjoyed those moments. Um, right. I, so I I think we went, I mean, I think our fans would kind of say colors was when we went. Yes, I would agree too. You know, kind of all the way. I guess. I don't know. It's hard to analyze <laughs> your own. It's kind of hard to analyze your own music. But the crazy thing is the the cover record, which it's not my favorite thing we've ever done, but it was such a great moment for us to do that. And I think that record had a lot to do with colors and just our confidence in doing other things. Cool. Because yeah. Because w- when we did do that, we were. It was really rushed, which was kind of a problem, but we did so much different kind of different types of music in a short amount of time and and we kind of realized we're like, hey, we can it's really fun playing this stuff and I think we can kind of do it. So and that was right before we started writing colors. So I think that really gave us the confidence we needed to be like step back, like do what you really need to do, like what excites you and, and that's kind of our mentality um so i guess that was the beginning of of that transition um no i i think your cover record's great i liked it when it came out and i still i think i put on black the other day um (laughs) i love that i love the cover the cover of black i I think it was fun it was just for me like looking back i'm not i'm totally not the kind of guy that looks back at old material and and shoots down on it because i think i think everything is there for a reason you know everything you know, if if you write genuine music, it should represent you at that moment when you wrote it, and you you know, or as covered a person, it. <laughs> yeah, wrote or it covered, or covered it. it. <laughs> so so when I look back at old stuff, I'm very proud of what we've done, and I really, you know, I really enjoy all our old material. But the thing, the color, the only thing that color bothers me about the cover record is I just wish we would have tweaked with the songs more, you know, rather than just you put your straight own spin cover. on them a little bit. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. exactly. But I mean, but like, we, come on, dude, Metallica and Justice for All. I mean, like. This is something people don't do? understand. Like, like yeah. we're th- the age we are, you know, back when yeah. we were, you know, ki- like 12, 13-year-old kids. That's like when I got into Metallica. It was yep. like the biggest band in the world. And I probably listened to Injustice for All like like a thousand times, maybe more. Oh, you of know? course, yeah. And, and how are you going to change that song? <laughs> do you know what I mean? What are you going to do? Yeah. Like, oh, you've I heard know, it. It's so ingrained, you know? Yeah, um, and, yeah it's you not know. like you're going to, you know, make it a... A swing version or no, something. No, I, I think you put. I think I remember. Uh, I think you put like a blast beat part or something in there that you yeah. know, maybe Lars yeah, couldn't quite so. pull off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, man. I I think that that's yeah. I think that's cool. Do you still play uh, old songs? Like, do you play anything from the first record or or second record? On, we we try to here and there. Yeah, we um this last tour we played a song off the first record actually. And nothing off this. Um, I hate even saying it. it's such a bad title. Chevenel cut a flip. <laughs> <laughs> I don't shoot down my old stuff, but I won't even name, tell you what the song's called. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's funny because the first night we played it, I said the song title and I was like, ooh, I don't. And that was the only time I ever said it. So the yep. rest of the tour, I was like, this song's from 2001. This is an old one. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, man, like, I, I don't know. I'm We're the same way, too. In Silverstein, like, we always play old stuff, you know, yep. and we try to mix up which old stuff we play, too, because the, like, the diehards that come out every tour, every show, you know, we want to play the same songs, you know? Oh, yeah, I agree. See, the, pro- the problem with us is 
we have very uh, demanding fans, as I'm sure you do. Um, <laughs> and, so, you know, certain people, our songs are so long, so we have a very short. Yeah, yeah. You know, we can only grab a certain amount of songs for the set. And we've gotten, as we've gotten older, we've gotten very picky about the flow of the set. You know, we kind of yep. treat our set as like we would an album. And unfortunately, a lot of, I mean, even this last tour, I mean, honestly, I, I didn't think the set felt really good. But not, I, I will say because of the old songs, but not because I don't like those songs. They just felt really weird in places. Yeah. And I think because our material has changed so much, a lot of times it's really hard to, keep that flow and, and have it sound like it's supposed to be there. Um, even though it is the same band, it's just such a, yeah. Cause at the, the first half of the tour, we, we were playing that song and then right after it, a song from the new record. So it literally felt like a time jump, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it sounded like one, so it, it's tough for us. And, you know, a lot of times because of, because we say that our fans think of it as like, Oh, they hate their old stuff. They don't want to play it. It's, that's not really the case. It's just that, it's really tough to to make it work and and keep the set cool. And honestly, like when we do play really old stuff, the, there's I don't think we have a lot of those from 2001 fans still. Yeah, you know, they quit moshing. They once we start <laughs> <laughs> once we quit doing the breakdown, they were out. Do you think August so. Burns Red had a uh, younger fan base than you guys, or do you think it's kind of the same? Oh, definitely, definitely younger. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good yeah. for you guys though, right? To get in yeah, front of those, yeah, that's those why people we did and it. yeah, that's why we did it. So a lot of uh, people looking at us like, what the fuck is going on? You know, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's some head-scratching moments, but at the same time, you're giving people something that they haven't seen before, too, you know? Yeah. Which is, I mean, just as in terms of being an artist and like, expressing yourself, I think that's kind of an important thing. Yeah, that and like like I was saying earlier, when I really like to dive into music, I I hope that there's some of those fans every night that... It's like, okay, this, not to talk down on August Burns Red, but, you know, there's a fan that has only heard that band or a few bands like that. And they're like, oh, well, this is a little different. Maybe I'll kind of dive into some other kinds of music and see what else is out there. And that's what I hope for. Absolutely. You know, and that's why I do the daily album. You know, I hope these, because I loved that when I was a kid. It was different then. You know, you didn't have the internet. You would get you know, a, a sampler of a record label or something. And right. Like, a, you know, you'd find bands that way. Life or Life Force Records. Yeah, <laughs> Life Force Records. Or you'd see your favorite singer with a cool T-shirt on and check out that band. But I, I just think it's right. important to, um, you know, hopefully get some new fans and have them kind of have a new moment in their life for music and, and try to explore some new things. Absolutely. How does your uh, voice hold up on tour? I mean, what you do with your voice singing screaming is pretty insane it's yeah um it really depends on the set um and it depends on i really have to i can't get sick it's it's a nightmare i mean as you know it's just yeah it's it's some singers they it doesn't really affect them much but me um it really does because i always get throat stuff if i do get sick which is a pain in the ass um but i've only really lost my voice one time and it was a few years ago and it it was it freaked me out honestly it really oh yeah like it was like it, I, like you felt like it was never coming back or never well, going to be that, the same I, I, yeah i just it really like beat me down and made me feel i kind of have some confidence issues anyway and it really kind of got to me um 
even yeah. though it wasn't my fault, I felt like it was. You know, I like blame myself. Well, it makes you feel your voice should never go out. You know. Yeah. Well, it makes you feel kind of like worthless. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like yeah. you have one job. You know, yep. to get up there and and put on a show and and use your voice, and when you can't do yeah. that, you know, it's uh yeah. And I mean, I feel like I get sick like just about every other tour at some really? point, something you know. And and I think it's funny now, like, and I don't want to get too like technical into this stuff, but it's like you know when your 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 voice is like normal or like mm-hmm. you know you haven't been on the road for a while and you kind of sing and it's just like it sort of comes out all easy. Yeah. Um, but then once you're on the road or whatever, after like a week, it's like, for me, there like becomes this like sort of tightness where I almost have to make like an adjustment on the way that I sing. Yeah. And I don't know if this is just me or if this is something everybody goes through. Um, and then there's like a third adjustment that I'll go through if I'm sick to where like, I've been sick with the same kind of colds and stuff so many times that I almost just know how to get through it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's definitely all true. I, I think I deal with that as well. I mean, you you get, I mean, I think things like lack of sleep or just playing yeah. a lot of shows in a row. I mean, and not to be like ah, I'm the old guy, but I mean, when you're older, you know, it's it's tougher to play twelve shows in a row. I mean, I used to be able to do twenty, thirty Oof. in a row, you know, but n- not anymore. You know, <laughs> it's like, what do you um what do you tell the agent to uh to cut it off at? How many in a row? How many wow. row do you want to do? We honestly kind of always forget about that, but they they kind of naturally they naturally do. I mean, uh, no more than a week normally. Yeah, like six Five, or six something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but we do forget to always talk about that because we'll be in the middle of a tour. We're like, what? There's ten ten shows in a row. We're like, oh, we keep forgetting to talk about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's so. But true, yeah, man. I mean, I I have a you know when once we started doing like hour and a half sets a lot of times on our headlining, you yeah. know, you just, it's weird. You feel your voices, like your chords are sore. Sure. And it's, it's just, you, yeah, like you said, you have to adjust. And then we've all been sick so many times. You kind of have your way to get through it and your ways to, to make it work. Except that one time I couldn't make it work, which was, it was, it was literally the worst. I mean, I, it was, did, did you try, so embarrassing did you try, you tried to play? I did the whole show. You know, yeah. I always try to do that. I hate I hate to be like the oh, I can't play tonight thing, but yeah, I literally couldn't hit a note and it, it it was so like I have a problem with when I get embarrassed, I want to smash things. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole show was me holding back just wanting to literally just annihilate everything. I, uh, it was so tough for me. And um luckily it was uh you know, I had my you know, my fiance was there and my I was actually out east in North Carolina, so I had family there, so I had some support that night. Oh, and right. it was the last. Oh, it was like it was a home, last... Did you say it was like a hometown show too? It was. Yeah. Oh, that's even so, worse. Yeah, so there was that pressure, and we had a DVD shoot two days after that we had to cancel and reschedule. Oh, um, oh so there was oh, all like this... a live DVD. Yeah, it oh, was man. for the um, the Parallax thing we did, where we did we did like right, a right, in studio right. um, live in studio thing, which we had to you know reschedule because I. I was—I don't even remember what was wrong, but the doctor said I shouldn't sing for a month. But I ended up doing it two weeks later. But yeah, it was—it was tough, man. But um, I mean, everybody goes through it, though, and it's just part of it. Especially, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm lucky for 15 years and having one one show. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that but is yeah. that is lucky. Do you have any sort of like uh, technical training, like vocally? No, I I did see Melissa Cross one time. I did too. Um. You did, yeah, yeah. I went just to. I was kind of more out of curiosity of how everything works, 
because I always, I'm, you might've been the same way. I mean, exactly, up, man. Yeah. Learning, learning to sing was literally just you and your friends are jamming and you just kind of figure it out. Yep. You know, there was never, you know, there wasn't YouTube of like somebody telling me how to do it or you know, true, helping yeah. me with it. So you just, you just do it. And so I kind of, it's just been this huge learning process for me and it still is. And I think that's, what's exciting about singing is I'm still every year. I feel like I learned something new and, um, you know, I wanted to go and kind of understand some technical things and it was cool. I, I did. I don't think I, there was nothing that like blew my mind or like, Oh, I never even thought about that, but it, it, it kind of helped me kind of understand some things a little bit. And, um, but aside from that, no, you know, there are moments where I, I think about, possibly looking into it but i just i don't know my i feel like my vocal style is kind of unique it'd be hard i don't know what i need what i want as far as training goes you know absolutely yeah no, you know? no i i, I so. saw melissa cross too and i had the, almost exactly the same experience i was kind of curious yeah. thought maybe i could learn something that would blow my mind and didn't but yeah. i do you know i do st still do like some of her warm-ups and stuff like to this day. yeah i do too you i know? do too yeah it's a very um it's very compact and easy, which I'm really into anything. I'm, I like, like minimal, you know, time to get something done. And, you know, as far as a warm up, I want it to be quick and, and yeah. still feel productive at the same time. How long do you yeah, warm a lot, up for? A lot of uh, about, about 10 to 12 minutes. Okay. Um, what for vocals. And then I do, you know, the, the stretching and all that. And I'm real into, I try, if, if we're in the States and we're on a bus, I, I really like to just chill by myself, honestly, and stretch and relax. And as Depeche Mode says, enjoy the silence, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I love Depeche Mode, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, you did a Depeche Mode cover on that record, didn't you? Yeah, we did. Yeah, Little 15. That was that was one that we kind of mixed up a little bit. Uh, that song, I thought, came out cool. 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 Very cool. Um, so how's California, man? Do you like it out there better Great. than North Carolina? Uh I love it, man. Um, and it feel it just feels right to me, and, you know. And my family's out here. That, that that's why I came out here. And you know, it just, you know, when you tour, and you experience literally all the miserable weather the world has to offer, it's nice to have a place that's always nice when you come home. <laughs> yeah, I know. So <laughs> I, know. I don't like the the price of living out here, but um, no. Are you yeah, still? Really are you like still? Uh, are you still vegan? I am. There you go. Well, California—that's yeah. like the vegan mecca. Yeah, come on. It makes you. It makes you. I don't even get excited anymore. It makes me spoiled. Oh yeah, like you like veggie grill. It's like the most amazing thing you've ever eaten. Yeah, and then and it's I'm like, oh yeah, it's okay, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you raising? Um, are you raising your son? Uh, vegan or vegetarian? No, he's he's eating it all. Okay. Except he's a picky prick and he doesn't eat anything. Is your fiance? <laughs> uh, your fiance is is a meat eater. Yes. She, yeah. Does that is yeah. that at all like um was that like an argument at all for you guys or were you no, you're cool not with at it? all. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a strong believer in uh just letting things flow. Um and with him, you know, I, I didn't want I, I don't want to like talk down on anybody raising their kids vegan cuz I think it's awesome, but I I didn't want him to be that kid that couldn't like join in at school or right. You know, I I didn't want to I want to let him experience it all, and then he can make his decisions when he gets older. You know, and it not—I know it's a cop out, but it is—it's easier as well. And especially yeah, when he yeah, when he's on the road with me, and you know, you know when we travel, it's just—it's a lot easier. It's, yeah, when you're in fucking middle of nowhere, Texas, to find food for him. <laughs> That's true.
That's true, man. No, I, I that's funny. Again, I'm, I'm a vegetarian. I have been yeah. for a very long time, but I don't have any kids, so I haven't mm-hmm. I haven't thought about that really. But it's always I'm sure it's something that you know people debate and talk about. You know, if you're a vegetarian, yeah. do you need to, like? Is it yeah? Is it is it like? Are you a hypocrite if you're? You know what I mean? It, like it's, it's yeah, kind of. See, I, don't I don't know. know I don't know. I mean, I'm sure some people. I'm sure it goes by. You know, it depends on the person. I'm sure some people think it is hypocritical. But the thing about veganism and and all that, it's it's for me, it's always been so very personal. You know, I've never. I don't know. I look at it. I look at it like religion. You know, I've always been very against religion. You know, most of my life, and I I feel like. Not because of what it stands for. I think what it stands for is amazing. I think just the pressure um, it puts on people and and the whole idea that we should all think that the same bothers me. So I, I think because of that, you know, when it comes to veganism, I'm like, oh, it's for me. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. You know, I don't sure. want you, I don't want anybody to ever think like they have to do something because that's how I do it, or I, I look down on them because they don't live the same way I live. You know, absolutely, man. You're a live and let live kind of dude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I have to ask you about this because uh, you know you guys are on Victory Records. Oh, uh, here we go. For well, come on, what, <laughs> what am I going to not talk? Like they have giant elephant in the room. We got to talk about this, man. Um, we, we're we're some of the few that made it through. We made it. We made it. We we, we, made we all it. stuck together and and <laughs> we're still here. We still have yep. careers somehow. Um, yeah, we got through it. And yeah, like I, I mean, I don't know how you guys have been in terms of like publicly talking about victory or like you know your experience, uh, good or bad, um, or and if you want to talk about it. But I'd love to hear any any stories about working with uh, Tony Brummel that you may have. <laughs> well, uh, the, me and Tony actually got along really well. Oh, I get along. I still get along with Tony. Tony came out really? to one of our shows, ten year anniversary so, show. So, so you still, so you still keep in contact with him. We well, a little bit, you know. Like we, um, like I said, we invited him out uh, for our ten year tour, which was uh, a, a little over a year ago. He came out with Delphine and mm-hmm. partied, you know, as as Tony does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so we still, you know, and we email and sometimes, and and they still, we still get like we get vinyl and and stuff from them, you know. Uh, so we still have a, like a bit of a relationship with like Clint and stuff, but, um, yeah, but, but anyways, this isn't about me. I want to know about you. Uh, well, your, your situation is very different from ours, which, which is weird because, because Tony and I did get along so well. Um, but basically when we didn't want to sign again, I mean, he, it, so you guys completed, you off. guys completed yeah. your, your, deal. we did, we okay. did. And a few things happened. Um, I don't need to talk about everything, but yeah, he basically, you know, w- wants nothing to do with us, and I guess vice versa. But uh, yeah, I mean, little things like I mean, trying to get our records or vinyl for tour that has not happened and probably will not happen. Um, yeah, it's been weird, man, because it's not like. For me, I I have no hard feelings because I understand things don't work out, and in in that whole situation for me it was just a learning experience. We were, I'm sure you guys were in the same situation. You were young, you didn't have a lot of experience. I mean, when we all started, especially back then, like none of us knew anything no, about the business. We, we side. didn't even have a manager. Exactly, we we never had a manager until like colors and right. um. It's just one of those things you didn't know anything. You were just kids that never thought you would 
really tour. I mean, there was no such thing as money back then as in the in this style of music. Yeah. Um so we just, you know, we just kind of signed our life away for however many records and it sucks, but you know, we we've kind of tried to just not dwell on it. I, I don't know. I the thing that bums me out is not being able to get vinyl and CDs and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, no. I, I mean, you should just you should hit up Clint, man. He he, you know. I have. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, Clint and I we've talked a little bit, you know. I I I don't want to sit here and just and just bash. No, no. I'm not it's, asking it's just, you. I'm not asking yeah. you to. I I just uh, you yeah. know. I mean, a lot of like it's this isn't a secret. Like people know a lot of oh, bands yeah. have had have had, you know, shared their grievances about victory and mm-hmm. you know I've been, I mean, I've been pretty positive about what I've said. Like we had some, definitely had some issues. A lot of things were, were hard and a headache, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and there were days when I wished we were on any other label, but then at the same time, they knew how to sell records. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, they, yeah. you know, they were able to, to get our records into kids' hands, you know? Yeah. Um, and that was, well, I think that's the important thing. thing is, is trying to think about like step outside of the business bullshit that we all got completely screwed on. But like the fact that there are a few positives out of it, that one being what you said, like our music got to a lot of people Uh two, we, we had a hundred percent creative control. That's right. You know, yeah, we, yeah. you know, as far as our writing, they never questioned what we were doing. They never asked to even hear what we were doing. And, you know, it could have been worse. We could have had, Somebody knocking down our door, telling us to change our music. Um, right, we need a three but, and a half minute between the birds yeah, and the radio yeah, but, track. I mean, yeah, you know that never happens. So I mean, you know, as far as art and everything, we we were always very hands on, and so there are pros. I mean, there's a there are probably more constant pros, but you know, I'm, I, I feel like you know it's so long ago. Oh, yeah, just try to think about the positives. You know. Yeah. Well, Stephanie Marlowe was like the best. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I remember her being like. She was like your champion, you know, over there. I remember. Yeah. So, but so, did you talk to her anymore? Uh, not in a very, very I mean, long. She time. came out to our show in uh, in Chicago. She's the best. Yeah, I hear she's doing publicity. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. she is. Yeah. She is still, still, you know, still in the game. It's awesome. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your uh, solo stuff. And I'm not talking mm-hmm. about the Giles record that came out on Victory. <laughs> <laughs> uh the Thomas Giles stuff which is mm-hmm. awesome. I really I really really like it and uh it's you know obviously it's very different from Between the Bear mm-hmm. to Me because it's not there's not really any mu- well there's not much metal influence I guess. Yeah. Um now h- how did that come about? What was really like the motivation for for starting that project? Well, I just I think any musician when you write a lot you you know you write a lot of different kinds of music and you know, sometimes a different outlet or a different way you write is very helpful. Um, sure. And for me, with the solo stuff, it, it's a totally different process. Um, Between the Bear and Me is so, there's so much work that goes into it. It's so intricate. There's so, uh, 
there's so many working parts. I wanted yeah. to really strip down everything and write some songs off, you know, a few riffs, like some simple rock songs. And that, that was right. kind of, that was kind of the idea behind it. And, you know, I, I had, when I started writing it, I had a lot of material already written and I never even told anyone about it. I was just kind of like, well, I'm going to write a record and see if it is even good. And if it is good, I'll announce to the world that I'm going to do it and, you know, put it out. Okay. So that was kind of, that was kind of how I did it. And then once I had, once I wrote everything, I was, I was, I was happy with it. And, you know, I was like, okay, this is something I want to do then. And I really, really enjoy writing the music. Um, a, because it's so different for me and it's, and it's kind of a, I learned a lot from it. Um, since we're, since this is a vocal podcast, I learned so much about my vo- my voice doing it just because it wasn't heavy. Um, right. And there was, and I really, it kind of helped my confidence in the more melodic sense of singing. And, um, do you actually struggle know, with I, confidence in your melodic singing? Is that actually something that you feel is like you feel yes, you're just more of a screamer yes. than a singer? Um, I just, I, yeah, I definitely struggle with it. You know, there's moments where I, I'm very confident. Um, well, on the first record, on the first record, your old drummer did a lot of singing, right? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't grow up singing. I grew up, you know, I was a hardcore kid, a metal yeah. kid. Yeah. You know, so I grew up, I grew up playing guitar and then. When I started screaming in bands, I just kind of figured out, like we were saying earlier, and I never, I always enjoyed singing, but I never really knew anything about it or even knew if I could do it. So once we started kind of incorporating the more melodic moments into the music, it was really a learning process for me. And like I was saying, it still really is. And I think doing different things musically, like with the solo stuff, really helped me learn a lot um, with the band because we do you know, change quite frequently is from release to release. I, I learn a lot. I mean, this last record, I learned so much um, with vocals just because it was so different. I took a completely different approach to my writing, and that really helped me kind of um, just learn more about myself. I guess I really enjoy being uncomfortable. Okay. Um, <laughs> with, well, like, by definition of the word uncomfortable is almost like, you know, I totally get what you're saying. It's just a funny, you know, you know funny I mean, phrase. Yeah, a, yeah. After after doing music for as long as, you know, we have, I, I feel like... You're comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah, well, you, you get caught up in kind of having, being set in your ways. And it's like, this is how you write. This is, this kind of part, you're going to do this kind of vocals over. And, yes. And, and, right. and I feel like... The more I step outside of that, the more I end up liking it in the long run. A lot of times, it's a lot more stress, and it, it you know, it's a, it's a more work. But I really enjoy it. And you know, the solo stuff was like that for me. I did a a score a few years ago for a movie, and I was totally outside of my element. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't have a clue how to do it, and because I was so uncomfortable and so you know scared about what I was doing. I loved it because it was so different for me. And I felt like the music I wrote was very different for me. And all the, all those little moments, I think just kind of help every, everything you do. Like, yeah. You know, I feel absolutely. like it really helps between the bear to me and what I do with that, with the band. And I think it helps for writing solo stuff as well. Have you done any solo shows? <laughs> Have you done a, I did, a, a tour? No, I did five shows right after the first record. So that was a while ago. Um, probably that was probably five. How years How did you ago. did you do it just yourself, or did you do have a some guys? I had a band. You? I had a band. Um, you probably know Josh from Hope's Fall. Yeah, of bass. course. 
Of course. Um, what a Will, dude. our our first drummer. Yeah. Will. Will which he Goodyear? played on my yeah yeah he played on my he played drums on my last solo record. Cool. Yeah. Well. One, I remember the one amazing kid thing he had yeah. too back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. So he's you know he I love playing with him and Paul our guitarist BT band guitarist he played with me. Oh, cool. Well, that's really awesome. So, you have the support you know for your for your project and you kind of keep it in the family. Yeah, so that that was fun. I, I, you know, playing shows was cool. It was really stressful for me just because it was, I, you know, I was like the headliner. I'd never played shows. They were really small shows. All the finances and everything, you know, as far as money goes, was out of my personal pocket. So there was sure. a lot of personal stress behind that. Yeah, that makes and sense. I, I didn't, I didn't like that at all. Um, so I don't know if that's why I haven't done it again but I, i've been kind of aching to do it do it yeah so who I, knows? Asked you, Maybe next I asked year. you for selfish reasons because i just started a solo thing on my own it's oh called, cool yeah it's called river oaks it's uh it's like way i mean your your stuff is a lot more um i mean well obviously you're like i don't want to say you're a better musician than me but you're a different musician than me different yeah. uh so you know so your stuff is obviously a lot more com- complex and intense my stuff's like i'm trying to write like strip down three and a half minute you cool. know, great songs. That's that's more yeah. what I enjoy doing. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I ask you about these kind of logistical things because that's kind of where I'm at, where I put out three songs and now I'm wondering, you know, do I get a band? Do I do some stuff like just yeah. an acoustic guitar? You know, so I'm just, yeah. that's why I'm asking you. But um, it's, it's tough because, you know, when you're in a successful band, you have, I mean, even if you don't think you have it, you have expectations. Oh, yeah. You know, when yeah. you're used to playing, you know, these legit shows, you have legit lights, legit sound, you know, you travel, you know, pretty comfortably. Yeah. 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 And then going back, I mean, some people really enjoy going back to the, you know, the to the van and, you know, doing, but I don't <laughs> at all. <laughs> at all. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's a certain amount of, like, nostalgia that I'm mm-hmm. kind of, kind of excites me about yeah. rolling in. Like, you know, I remember same with you guys remember when we played the abandoned furniture warehouse in windsor oh yeah yeah remember that like going into a place like that oh and by the way for people listening that was not just a clever name it was literally an abandoned furniture warehouse (laughs) that was not the that was the name of the venue and it was what it was Uh, (laughs) but like i kind of miss those days man like like for me to go like shit like put some gear in the back of my car and drive and load in and play a show and on playing the floor like to me maybe it's just nostalgia but i would i kind of embrace i would kind of embrace that and, and yeah, be see, able to I do miss, that again there's certain things i miss and there's certain things i don't like the the playing as- aspect of it i really miss i really miss the plug and play aspect like you just get up there you plug in your shit you know it's yep. it sounds like hell but you get through it yep. i kind of miss that because now everything you know we're so we have so much going on. It's like we have in-ears. We have, you know, we play to a click. You know, there's there's all these things and everything's so spot on and so professional, which is, it's it obviously needs to be. But I kind of miss the plug-and-play aspect of the old days. Um, yeah. And even those totally. venues, you know, it was cool to just pull up and play on the floor somewhere. But I, but I don't miss the sleeping on ram- random people's filthy floors and <laughs> you know eat- eating the worst food known to man and you know not sleeping for a month Taco at a Bell time three times a day yeah, yeah. exactly yeah but you know th- on the musical side of things there are some things i miss but um yeah it's just tough with solo stuff because because of those expectations and you know you know, when you're older you know you're, you're you have to work your financial obligation you know we're all 
men now that have bills and lives and it's tough to go out on your own dime and and come home and not have and not make any money yeah for you sure. know and uh, and no, when you have a bandwidth yeah and when you have a band with you you know i i hate to be that guy that like is like hey man you want to play with me pro bono like that that's just you know we're if you're working i feel like you should be paid so i want to be able to pay yeah some people that are playing with me, but if there's no money to be paid, it's kind of tough. So there, there's all those things. You're that... playing for free, and we got to sleep on some dirty floor. Does that sound <laughs> yeah. fun, man? Come along. <laughs> and yeah, even though we did it over a decade ago, you want to do it again? Yeah. Well, but, hey, um, some people like want like I was literally just talking to Josh, our guitar player, about that. Yeah. He's like, he's like, we should do like a house show, like a house, <laughs> a, sh- a tour of house shows. I'm like, yeah. hell no. <laughs> like, yeah, it really depends on the person. It, I mean, our, our bass player Dan, he he's the same way. He would love to do that, right? Like, you know, and I think it's awesome. I think it's great. You know, he's got some side stuff too, and he and he's one of those people that embraces like getting in the van and going on tour. And I, and I think that's awesome. I think it's great. But I'm. I'm a very honest person, and that does not sound awesome. Yeah, to me. the last time we slept on a <laughs> the last time we slept on a kid's floor, uh, a bat landed on my face while I was sleeping. There you um, go. Yeah, if if anyone wants to hear that story, it's I think it's episode <laughs> three of the podcast. <laughs> I tell the story, episode three. But do you have any stories about uh, staying at like kids' houses back in the day? Any crazy shit? Oh, there was. I mean, there was. Well, the the weirdest thing because we've always we've never been a party band. I mean, you know, we've never been the band that that does anything crazy we're all we've always been kind of the jokesters but we're you know we just hang out and i felt like back in the day whenever you stayed at kids house and they always interpreted that as hey let's invite all 40 of our friends over because this band wants to party yep you know which was always ended up just being a bunch of people sitting around drinking and us laying on sleeping bags trying to sleep underneath (laughs) them yeah but um i don't know there was there's there was a lot of instances i mean I mean, actually, at J-Cloth in, in Guelph, uh, one of his roommates came in and just, I think he was in his underwear and just came in and thought, I was laying on the, I was sleeping on the couch and he thought that was the stairs. So he just started <laughs> s- stepping on me over and over in the middle of the night. And uh, I think Paul and I almost got in a fight with him, but we realized he was, I don't know if he was on drugs or if he was asleep i'd say whatever, there's a good chance <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but i mean there god i mean as far as story i mean there there was all i remember we stayed with a guy that literally had it was always in the hood i don't know why but back then i feel like every every place you played and every place you stayed was in the most seedy part of town yeah and i mean we stayed with a guy and we all we were starving so we ate ramen which was very common back then and he had one bowl and one fork and one pot. <laughs> so we, we all took turns making ramen and just eating out of the one bowl and one fork. And But yeah, I don't know. There was a lot of – so much dirty, like filthy like cats shitting on you and just weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very weird. But yeah, so I'm I'm glad I experienced all that. You know, I, like I said earlier, I really – I. I remember those shows. They were they were fun. There was a lot of stories. There was, yeah. Um, where now it's like, you know, you get those normal interviews we're talking about, and they're like, tell us a crazy story. It's right. like, man, I mean, we're, my day-to-day is so boring on tour. You would, it's, there's not, unless something just 
horrible happens, it's not. There's no stories. Right, like your bus catching on fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which happened to us. There which, you go. Well, yeah. Now, yeah, now yeah. you have a story. Now you have something to <laughs> yeah, tell exactly. people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, um, but but I do want to like one more thing about the solo stuff. Like we haven't really talked about lyrics, mm-hmm. um, and I know I've I've already had you for about an hour now. But but lyrically, like you know, with your solo album, is that more personal? Whereas between yeah, the there, I definitely me, d- yeah, I definitely am a lot more personal with the solo stuff. Because I know um, between the Buried and me, you're you're writing like concept records and you're telling like stories. Yeah, which, which yeah. I'm sure there's elements of that that's personal to you. But it Very seems yeah. less personal than the the solo stuff. Yeah, I mean, once we started, I guess, like you said, you know, when the Colors era started, you know, our music kind of called for a more adventurous uh, story storytelling vibe, I guess, yeah. for lyrics. And I really, once I started doing it, I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, with the solo stuff, it, it is nice to kind of get some personal things. You know, there's a lot of stuff for my son, especially this re- last record that I wrote, and. You know, little things like that. And a lot of it is very personal, even though it's not outwardly personal. Um, I would say a lot of my lyrics are very abstract and, and kind of hard to follow sometimes, but I, I kind of understand, like, what the purpose is and why it's very personal to me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's – but, I mean, it really depends. Like, right now I'm finishing up a third record. Um, oh, Okay. Yeah. When's it going to come out? Ve- but it's very I don't know yet. I'm I'm hoping I haven't really talked about it yet. So okay. uh, it's it's very different. It's more on the electronic side of things. Yeah. But um it's very moody and mellow and and my vocal approach for that record has been very different. Um I've kind of treated it as I would music, kind of just write what comes to mind and um what happens in the moment. Kind of like Almost improv lyric writing, but oh, really? not really have not really having like. I, normally, I'll be like, okay, this song's about this, but with this stuff, I've kind of just started from scratch, not even really thinking about what I want the song to be about, and kind of go from there. When you which write, has been weird, but been it, it's been fun. When you write lyrics, are you like, do you pour over it? Are you like, do you take a long time to write lyrics, or are you kind of like idea, 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 and you're pretty quick? Because it, everyone's it's different. Very diff- it's very different for what I'm doing. Um, for solo stuff, I write pretty quick. Um, I kind of just – normally I, I sit down and I write – you know, I kind of figure out melodies and kind of write lyrics as I'm writing melodies. And and I yeah, have a basic yeah. idea of what I want the song to be about, and, and that's kind of it. Um, with the band, it's a whole lot of – because of – Because the, the music must come first, you know, so much more, yes. right? You can't go yeah, – the mu- Yeah, the music always comes first. And, you know, with us, with the concept records, it's a lot of planning, a lot of um, outlining. I do a lot of work before I even write a word. Um, I basically kind of get a basic outline of the record, where where I want certain things to happen and, you know, not happen on the record and kind of get all that planned out before I even start writing. And then and then go from there. Um, in the past, I would just write a whole lot and then tweak it later. Like I would sit down on my laptop or a pen and paper and just write a shitload and not look at it for a few days and come back to it. Cool. Kind of yeah, that's it. a but good approach. Yeah. Yeah, which are, which really worked well in the, our older style of music. But now with the last record, I, I kind of did how I do solo stuff. I kind of sat down and wrote and 
wrote lyrics as I was writing vocal melodies and stuff, but I had all the outlines of kind of where, where I want things to go beforehand. Yeah. Um, so just a lot of tweaking and, um, back and forth. Do you write vocal melodies? Do you write vocal melodies just like, um, like in your head? Like, do you just kind of hum them or do you yeah. actually use an instrument? Um, it depends. Um, I, I try, I really try to do like, what comes to mind first i feel that like that's important i always try to go there first like what just instantly jumps out at me yeah and and go from there and if it's if that really works then i normally do stick with just humming and whatever comes comes but a lot of times if a part gives me trouble i'll i'll either like learn it on guitar and be like okay take a different approach like okay even though this part is heavy these are the chords let's pretend it's an acoustic song how would I sing right. over it if it was an acoustic song? Yeah, that's something and, that I do big time. I always, I almost, yeah. I know all my melodies pretty much on a guitar. Like I pretty oh, much okay. know, and then cool. I know it's if it's if it's if it's in my range too, and stuff yeah. like that, you know. But I just always like to ask people how they approach it, you know. See, I need I need to be better at that because I'll write crazy shit, and I'm like, oh, that's really hard for me to do. <laughs> yeah, I need yeah. to be a bit better about like staying within my range. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then, and in and in certain parts, like a lot of our stuff gets really complicated, and um, I can't really even frustrate. Imagine. I can't even yeah, imagine which, like... which frustrates me. And I'll I'll get you know either with Dan or Paul, and we'll kind of sit down, and I'll be like, well, here's what I want to do, um, but some notes aren't working that well. I need to really have you dissect you know the riff with me, so I can kind of make it work and. So that's yeah, happened a few times crazy, in the past. Man. So it really, really depends on the part and the song. I just like you, how long do you guys take tracking a record? Like how long did uh, did the last record take to track? Tracking doesn't take us that long. No? Um, I guess you guys three are, weeks. Like, Paul's is, Paul's insane. Like I mean, on guitar, yeah, we, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, recording for well, we record the whole record ourselves before. We oh, you do? Oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. So we do. So we we have a literally a hundred percent everything done as far as the layout of the record and how it's gonna sound so we we yeah so when we actually start recording it's very it's very easy honestly like i feel like the last few records we we just have it down to a science for us and it's even got to the point now where we don't even have to like i can not show up and i know stuff will get done and right vice versa. yeah you, you know they'll, to just, they'll just leave me yeah nobody nobody's like that it's awesome we just kind of we're like, all right, this is your day. We know you're gonna be awesome. Like, I feel like we we have the confidence that we know each other well enough that you know we don't have to look over each other's shoulders. Like, I know Blake's gonna fucking be awesome. I know you know all of them, Dan, Paul, and Dustin. You know it's gonna be great every time. So, I think that's a great feeling, um, just because it ma- it makes it less stressful and you can worry about stressing out stressing out about your own shit rather than stressing about your own shit and the, the other members. Right. That makes sense. That makes <laughs> sense. That's a beautiful thing. Well, thanks, man. What do you guys got uh, going on next? Um, We're doing some Europe touring in a few months, and we're doing some random U.S. fests. Okay. Which will probably be very awkward. We're playing with a bunch of, like, bro rock bands. Um, <laughs> yeah, it could be awkward. <laughs> so... <laughs> So like we'll theory see, of we'll a dead how, man or something like that. Is yeah, it, is yeah. It? I mean, like total. <laughs> I mean, not in our world at all. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, I'm recording next week to hopefully finish up a record. 
a Thomas Giles record? Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that will be done soon. And I've already started a fourth, so I'm excited about that. And then we haven't started writing any new Between the Bear and Me stuff. But hopefully, I don't know, once we finish touring, you know, we have some U.S. stuff later in the year we haven't announced yet. So Cool. Good. Yeah, a lot of stuff on the horizon. Well, it's uh, awesome yeah. to hear you're doing so well and that you're out in California too, and your family yeah. and, and uh, the band's doing well and you guys are getting along. It's just like, it seems like just your life is just perfect. Everything's is your good, life perfect? Man. I mean, I mean in, the grand, in the grand scheme, yeah, it is. I mean, obviously there's things that suck here and there, but re- when you really sit down, those things aren't bad. Absolutely, man. Well, it's, uh, so. it's really, really nice to talk to you. Thanks for taking the yeah, time. Yeah, you too, man. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Okay, well, uh, you have a great day, and uh, I hope to see you around, maybe at a weird bro fest. Yeah, man, there you go. Yeah, bro band fest, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) All right, well, take care, and tell the guys I said hello. I absolutely will, Tommy. All right, thanks again, man. Yeah, man, okay, take care. All right, bye. See ya. So there is my conversation with Thomas Giles Rogers of Between the Buried and Me, BT Bam, and uh, great talking to him, great dude, one of my oldest friends, you know, in music. So I'm really happy he reached out to me and we were able to jump on the phone and do this and hope to have him back at another point. And really, if you haven't seen Between the Buried and Me, you probably need to get on that. They're one of the most talented bands. I mean, I don't want to say of all time because that sounds a little like crazy, but in terms of like the scene, you know, what we do, they are a head and shoulders above everybody else. So make sure you check them out. Um... The intro, I played, you know, a medley kind of thing, uh, which was Mordecai uh, from, I believe, their record Silent Circus, one of their older jams. So if you like that technical metal stuff, definitely check out Between the Buried and Me. However, I'm going to leave you with a Thomas Giles Rogers song. He goes by Thomas Giles. So Google Thomas Giles, and this is one of his solo songs called Hypoxia. So check it out. In some ways, it's very un-Between the Buried and Me, but it's still great music by a great artist and a great guy. So here it is, Hypoxia by Thomas Giles on Lead Singer Syndrome. And make sure you check out Between the Buried and Me as well. And we'll see you next week. This is Shane. Peace and love. Take care.
Down here 